Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mackie, Judd, today, uh, Brian Murphy and Judd Phillip are back tomorrow. One main theme of uh, today's show has been the Gopher Hockey Program and where things stand with that. Uh, certainly way more on a yearly basis. Um, the last few years, empty seats at... Mariucci, and uh, how much of this exactly falls on uh, head coach Don Lucia? How much falls on the move to the Big Ten? And while the Big Ten is certainly an improved conference and a good conference, there is a um, been a clear distaste from fans for the move from the WCHA and rivalries like the Gophers had against North Dakota to where things stand right now. And I guess not surprisingly, Brian, it looks like uh, the majority of responses that we've gotten via email is anti-Lucia. Uh, here's one. Well, folks that are happy never take make the time to to say they're happy. And I, but this is interesting because I don't know that anyone's happy. No, I just I don't. Or there's a, I think there's a contingent that's not bothered enough. Yeah, and I and and there are the problem. Gopher hockey. I think that it really faces is this. I think people used to be upset. I think when they moved to the Big Ten initially, a lot of people were ticked off and mad, and that bought Lucia some time. I think those people are gone now. They're apathetic, and that's the oh, worst thing. You're right. No, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, they are, I saw a note here, um, I think we, we got a, a note from our friends at Gopher Puck Live, saying that uh, something like 2,000 of the seats that you see per game that are empty, they're sold. People just aren't showing up. That's worse. Like, that's the corporate community. I remember, um, was it a season ago, they played North Dakota here, and at the start of the game, the place wasn't full. And that's North Dakota. And that's this year. And and now the tickets were extremely expensive because they tried to gouge people. But the point being is, I think you have a lot of people that were initially very upset, and they might have been upset at Don, and they certainly were upset at the move to the Big Ten. And to be fair to the school, the university was the one Big Ten school that said, we don't want to do this. We want the WCHA. The Gophers were not on board, but they were forced to because when they went to six teams with Penn State, it triggered that they had to start the conference, which was stupid. But And I believe the majority of schools are like, okay, great, we'll go. And my understanding uh, that I've been told on background is the university said, we do not want to do this, and we're told you have to. Uh, but, okay, so let's see here. To the email inbox, um, Josh writes, I'm about a 10-year season ticket holder. I'm probably not renewing for next season. If they brought in Grant Patolny, I'd renew. But that's okay. still, he's been North one Dakota year. guy who had his one moment in 2002, right? Yeah, and he's had a year at Northern Michigan in the WCHA where they've been good. But does Grant Patolny, but is Josh reflecting how a lot of people he moved the needle? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think if you parade him up tomorrow at a press conference and say, here's your new hockey coach, to go back to what I said before, I, I don't think that the phones start to ring. 
I, I think that you might have a few folks say, oh, yeah, this is cool. So then what makes it ring? I don't know. That's the, that's Nobody the issue Nobody seems here. to know. Um, Adam says, we have to stop talking about uh, gopher hockey as if the main source of blame isn't the guy who runs the program. He goes on for a while here, but also says, I was a longtime season ticket holder until one year ago. I didn't leave because of donation issues. I left because the product has gotten boring and more often than not seems to lack energy. Don has been a great coach, but his time has come. There is no shame in that. This email, I think, is reflective of a lot of Yes, people. I don't think people wish ill will on Don Lucci, and I don't think there's a lot of torches and pitchforks coming after him, but at a certain period of time, you, you wear out, you're welcome. You know, and if there's not buzz around the program, and that's the problem, there's no buzz around the Gophers. Yes. That's not necessarily all his fault, but you're the most vulnerable if you're the head coach. Six five one six four six eight two five five. If you'd like to join the conversation, six five one six four six eight two five five. That's in the Metro outside eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. The show is Mackie and Judd. Uh, Brian Murphy in for uh, Phil today. We are, of course, as always, in the TCL broadcast studios. Jim Fisher emails in Brian Patolni. No, 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 no. He has done nothing. They need a change top to bottom. Um, not all his issue, but got to start somewhere. And by his, he means Don Lucia. Where this topic gets expanded a lot, I think, too, is this one. If you're Mark Coyle, you got a lot of work here. And it's not just hockey. Right. And where does this on the priority list right now, which is why it almost seems like the status quo isn't the worst thing for him. Uh, yeah, he unless like, more fans are speaking with their pocketbooks, right? But but to what you said before too, Mark Coyle and Lucia are buddies. Lucia's got another year left on its contract. It would be very easy to give him another two year extension, and go for hockey is is a problem in the sense that they're not drawing. And so you're right, people are speaking with their pocketbooks, but the program itself is not a problem. Like you've got a basketball. Yeah, they're very well you, behaved and. They they go to class and and you don't hear the issues that you hear certainly with basketball and I mean you get an occasional underage drinking issue but uh, that's you know that's, that's anybody in college yeah exactly yeah and the basketball thing to me is a bigger problem now because you've gone from terrible season with if not scandals certainly problems three years ago now to you pop back up and looked very competitive went to the tournament and very good a year ago. And so now the expectation was, okay, this program is turned around, and as as recently as the Miami game in November, you sold out Williams, and you had a lot of people, including me, really engaged and really excited, and then Lynch gets suspended, so you've got more problems there, guys get hurt, and now you're saying to yourself, okay, do, do, I, do I have a situation where the basketball program had another blip of a bad year, and it's going to be stabilized with the recruits coming in, including the three from in-state? Or are you going to have to possibly look, be looking for a basketball coach after the 2018-19 season? All right. And if you're doing that, do you want to be juggling with the hockey program? That's, that's not a if lot the, to Not on. if the hockey program is self-sufficient, which it generally is. But again, we're talking about attendance is down. But if attendance is down just because people aren't showing up, that's a long-term problem. If they're, the attendance is down but they're still paying for it, that's a short-term survival mode. I mean, you can still get away with that if you're making the revenue. But it sounds like, in the numbers that we saw in that athletic story, mm-hmm. the numbers are down badly. I mean, season ticket sales are down 30%. That's a big number in this market. Well, and you go back to the point that there was a long time here where there was a season ticket waiting list, and getting in that building was very difficult. Getting in that building was really, really tough. It's not must-see anymore. 
It's not an no. event anymore to go to a Gophers hockey game on a Friday or Saturday night. And there's a lot of factors for that. Losing out on the rivalries, changing into the Big Ten, we get that. But it is also because of a lack of buzz and a lack of excitement about the product on the ice. Uh, 651-646-8255. Let's go to uh, Greg, who I believe wants to touch on the subject of the Twins. Hi, Greg. Hey, Judd. Love the show. Thank you. Say, when you were talking about that bat and barrel, you know, last segment, um, kind of stirred the fire in me on a few decisions that the Twins have made this offseason for the season ticket holders Vent. specifically. Yes, sir. Um, you know, they, they raised the prices, which, I mean, I get that happens. But they also went completely digital, you know. So if you, which for me isn't a problem because I'm, you know, I can use my phone and it doesn't bother me. But for the majority of the holders, if they want paper, they got to pay an extra two bucks per ticket. Um, and then with the whole bat and barrel, that is going to be open to everybody now. Not just season ticket holders, so it's devaluing the season ticket holders. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's it's just kind of annoyed me when that all that stuff kind of came through, and and I've had season tickets since they opened Target Field, but I don't know, man. It's just kind of uh, you like the exclusivity of the club. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cool spot to go before and after the game. You know, or maybe if it's super hot outside, you could go escape and uh, kind of hang out. Not a huge crowd. Little air, little air uh, for you. Air conditioning. Yeah, you're right. Air. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's so just hold on a second. So you're telling you're telling me now that, that if I bought season tickets and I wanted paper, I would have to pay two dollars per ticket. Per ticket. So it's 160 bucks just for the sheet of paper. Yep. Otherwise, it's completely digital on the ballpark app on your phone. And what if I'm? You know? Well, I guess most season ticket holders are well off enough to have a smartphone. But what if you don't? Yeah, but that's. Imagine the cluster of the first couple games, people ripping their phones out, trying to figure this out. Um, that just seems like you know, a lot to charge for a piece of paper if, if I want absolutely. what I consider to be Oh, but it looks good to go green. You get a nice that's rating. What we, that's what we thought, too. You know, I'm in, a, I'm in with a group of guys who split the season. Yep. Um, so then the, the guy that kind of organizes it has to email all of us the tickets. So it goes to the app. Um and I, I mean, I get, for me, it's not a big deal because I'm kind of used to that. But man, I just feel it's—I don't know—just some odd decisions coming out of uh, Twins' way this off season. All right, Greg. Thanks. I didn't realize that about season tickets. Well, I, I understand everybody's trying to go paperless, and there's a motivation for that. Two bucks a ticket. I think the Wolves did that a few years ago. Yeah, and that didn't go over well, right? And I'm—is is this also geared to take more control of the secondary market? Oh, probably. Yeah, that's probably true. Because you can't just immediately, you just can't exchange them on the street. I'm I'm old, but I want a paper ticket. I mean, personally, I want a paper ticket. Yeah, I guess I haven't thought about it that much, but yeah, I guess so. Plus, when you have season tickets, they come in the mail, and they're all together, and they're a beautiful package of tickets. And they smell nice. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's part of the... You get to tear them off every game. Yeah, exactly. All right. Hi, Peter. Judd, good morning. Uh... What a lot of people don't realize, and it's the number one reason why the Gophers went along with this stuff with the Big Ten on hockey, Minnesota and every other school in the Big Ten, Judd, gets about $40 million from the total TV package mm-hmm. because they're inclusive in all sports. That's $40 million our school would not be getting 
It's huge. It makes all the difference in the world. And the problem is not being in the Big Ten. The problem is Lucia hasn't won a national championship since 2002-2003. The, the Gophers did the same thing with Woog. Was he 15, 17 years, never won a national championship? Never won one, right. yes. Correct. There's too much tolerance for poor performance. That's the bottom line. Do you do you think that if Lucia gets fired on opening night next year, that place is is filled or almost filled? No, not right away. You've got to establish winning again, and that's what they've lost. They've lost being dominant. There's no reason in Minnesota Judd can't be as dominant in, in hockey as Ohio State is in football. This is a hockey hotbed. The state of Ohio is a football, Michigan, our football hotbeds. Mm-hmm. And it and it's gone away. I mean, that's the bottom line. I'm sure Coyle is, is you know, is in a quandary because he doesn't know squat about hockey. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure he's much more involved well, he, in football. And, uh, he knows more about that sport than, than, uh, than Norwood did. Well, yeah. What, I mean, what Nor- Norwood was going to fire Don, and Norwood <laughs> knew nothing about the sport. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. All right, thank you, sir. Thank All right, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I I see what Peter's saying. But he's I, even I, saying that it just, just the changing of the guard saying. wouldn't even make a difference for him. Well, he's saying that, the, but he doesn't think the people he, will come back right away. He, yeah, he's 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 talking about the question I have, which is, can you go find someone who's going to win you national championships like Don did? 2003 and 4 can you go can you if you go get Motsko is are you going to win national championships back to back to get people to get the fan base reengaged to overcome the pitfalls that you have now you would have to win national titles and it would have to be more than one i think i think you would have to win multiple i think you'd have to win at least two back to back for people to say i need to be back in that building or, to to be going to or games. at least be regularly in the frozen four as well not every 5 years yes but college hockey's changed too. Yeah. And I and I don't know. I don't know that Bob Motzko comes here and gets all the play, you know, go for hockey get used to get everybody. For the yes, most part. And without really working picks. hard. No, right. But I mean they you know, there was a long time where they would go around and say, You and you and you and you and you are coming here. Those days are gone. A lot of I've seen some Twitter traffic too on the, you know, never mind so much the five star recruits. What about the three star recruits? What about the grinders? What about the kids that are going to commit to you for four years? The kids that kind of make up a team and kind of galvanize a team, not the superstars that are going to leave at, here for that year. are going to leave yeah. after two years. I've heard that argument a bunch of times too that they're losing out on those kids, and those kids are playing four years at St. Cloud State and Bemidji and UMD because they're kind of creating their own little mini dynasty there. Right, but- and. But then if Don gets those, but then if Don goes after those kids and loses even more of the not big, at the expense of, yeah. but maybe supplementally, or go out and get a junior player. Is that anathema here? Oh, you could do it. Yeah, I, people don't just, like it. Get a Canadian or two. I, it, well, he's and he's gone out and gotten guys. Yeah, he's gotten Russian elsewhere. Or not so, Russians. He got uh, Swede and he got yeah, uh, Vanek years ago. He's done that, so he could do do that again. And I just, it's just. I think we all assume that a new coach might come here and start cherry picking again, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think those days are gone. I think the the game has changed, the the playing field has changed, and and there are things now that if you're if you're recruiting against the Gophers, there's things that you can go into a kid's home now and say, hey, look, they're in a conference that people don't necessarily like as much. Their games are at weird start times sometimes. You know, it used as I said before. 
There was a time when face-off at Mariucci was 7.05 on Friday and Saturday, and every game was going to be on TV. And those games were going to be shown not just in, in the Twin Cities, Brian, but all over the state. And so I could go tell a kid in Duluth, mom and dad can come down for X amount of games and they can watch you play. Well, those days are those days are not nearly as consistent. Uh, let's take one more call on the subject. Hi, Pete. Hi, guys. Go I got ahead. A quick comments about uh, goal for hockey. Sure. First thing is uh, we don't like the league. I mean, mo- most of us all-time fans, mm-hmm. and our families had uh, season tickets for a, for a long time. The, the Big Ten league, we don't we don't want it. We're, we're missing out on our best. On our on our best rivalries, and, I mean, we didn't even have North Dakota or UMD on TV this year. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. That North Dakota, those games were not on. You're right. You know, and then the games are hard to find on radio and TV. There, there's no consistency on where, what channels they are, what times, what dates. It's it's like they're hiding the games from us sometimes. Would if they if they were in regular contention and had a much better record and were winning the conference championship as they were just a few years ago, would that make a difference? It might make a difference, but you're talking to kind of an old-time gopher hockey guy. Yeah. Now, I know it's not going to be every Friday and Saturday night like it used to be, just like gopher basketball is not Saturday afternoon and Thursday evening anymore. Yep. I get, I totally get that. But you, you, there have, it has to be – they have to put the, the broadcast somewhere where we can see it, you know, where, where it's plain as day and nothing against those other channels. But gophers, the gophers don't get prioritized by the channels that – are playing, you know, other professional sports. They get pushed off into other stations, and a lot of times you either can't get them or they're they're a pain to find. I hate to say that, but I think it's true for a lot of guys. And Pete, and was- Pete, to to your point, we had a, a situation where the University of Minnesota had to move heaven and earth to get those first round games against Penn State on TV. Those games were going to be put behind a pay per view wall on the internet only. And the Gophers worked all week long to uh, to get the first game was on FSN North Plus. The second game on Saturday was on uh, the standard FSN North. But that's where you're exactly right. You almost had Gopher Hockey playoff games played at Penn State that we would have had to subscribe to on the Internet to watch. That's ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. Yes. So my last point would be I don't think we're getting the best players anymore. I mean, yeah, we got Casey Middlestead. He's a great player. And we get good players. But I think the WCHA is is getting the better players. UMD, St. Cloud State, North NCHC Dakota. NCHC is yeah. You know, and and you can't you can't blame the kids. I mean, they're getting recruited by guys that are smart that are saying, "Hey, this is the best league in the country. This is where you need to play." And and I think we're missing out on some kids. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate and the these, call. Good call. And these kids are also now in an era where they're growing up with these. Uh, so-called marginalized schools. I wouldn't even call them marginalized. That's a bad word. But Formal, the small, formally. For, the smaller schools than Minnesota that are in Minnesota now yep. have a reputation well, as being top-notch recruiting and top-notch destination schools, whereas Minnesota, all they had to do was fly their M flag for years. Yep. And if you're and if you're a kid growing up in the St. Cloud area, and I come recruit you, and I say, do you want to play in the Big Ten? And then Motsko comes and says, stay close to home, play here, and look at look at where we play, who we play, the rivals that we have, and mom and dad can drive around and watch you. Yeah, that's gone here. That's that's Wisconsin now. Yeah, you're not going. You're not getting in the car. I don't think. Right, East Lansing. No, Ann Arbor, Penn State, Penn State. Yeah, um, just go down that list. Ohio State. But no, it, you're not going there. But if I'm playing at St. Cloud State, we're 
driving to North Dakota for a game. We're driving where we've got Bemidji. Yeah. Duluth. So so you've got Duluth, a perfect example. The point being is there are there are things working against the golfers that you used to have zero problem with. And anybody who comes into coach's team is going to have the same problem. They might be a breath of fresh air. They'll be a different name. And heck, it might work. But you're not going to take that job, sit down in that chair, and automatically people are going to come to you. Those days are gone. Jonathan, what's coming up in questions? We're going to talk some awards, bullpen cars, and the Vikings. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Jonathan Harrison, you have uh, three very important questions for uh, Brian Murphy and me, so why don't you fire away? All right, let's start here. The Oscars were the other night. Uh, There was a story that came out yesterday that Los Angeles police arrested a 47-year-old man for stealing Frances McDermott's Oscar award she had just won. The guy was stopped by Wolfgang Puck's photographer who called the police on the guy. What, for you guys, what is the trophy, individual or team, that if you had the chance to nab and get away with it, which one would you take? Oh, that's not even close. Yeah, the Stanley Cup. The I mean, I, I could care less about the other ones. I, I barely even know what they look like. Uh, <laughs> Larry O'Brien's a basketball. Lombardi looks like steel. The and World corporate Series World. trophy is very... It's okay. It's got some man. flags. No, the Stanley Cup. Are you kidding me? I would sleep with that thing. How would you Sorry, get a, Meg. How would you get away, <laughs> how would you get away with it? How would I get away with it? Well, that's an absolutely. Uh, that thing's a big thing. So um, how are you getting away? With, well, you'd have you to. That? You'd have to. Well, here's here's something I did about. Geez, it was about 14 years ago now, uh, when Ben Clymer won his for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he brought it back and was uh, taking it around the Twin Cities uh, for his day with the Cup. I I tailed him with the photographer for most of that day, mm-hmm. and uh, he took it to. Uh, where did we? Where did we? Noodles and Company. He ate at, or no, D'Amico and Sons. He ate at. Mm-hmm. He brought it to a youth center, and then he ended up at Stub and Herbs on the campus of U of M. So maybe if somebody was looking the other way, That's I'd take it out the say. back door at Stub and Herbs. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I would wait for for the entire uh, group, including the person that bought it, brought it to be incredibly intoxicated. The <laughs> yes. only problem now is nobody the takes guy. their eyes off of it. Well, and there's right. the guy that goes around with it now. That's right, the handler. That Phil. didn't used to happen, right? Yeah. He gets to travel the world every year, doesn't he? Does. He does. Yeah, he oh, takes it what around. What a great job. So I think you gotta you got to roofie him. Yep. And then you got to be able to count on the fact that nobody's going to be looking as you see. I mean, it's not like you... How do you? I mean, it's a big. There, there's nowhere to hide it. I mean, you gotta right. walk yeah, you can't out. Can't put it below your shirt. No, you're not jocking it. I think Chorsky. There's a picture in Bunnies, and I think Chorsky, when he won it, uh, brought it to the old Bunnies on Excelsior Boulevard. That's. Before, I think that's pre-handler days. That would have given you a chance. Pre-handler days at Bunnies, mm-hmm. the old one. I think you would have had a fighting shot. So pre-handler days. How did they get it to the players? Did they just send it in the mail, or no? I think how that, was it? I think they had somebody deliver it to to them. I think there was a. a I think there was always a handler for it. His name is Phil it. Irvin, isn't it, or Phil something? I don't know if they always went around with it yeah. though. See, the trophy belongs oh, so to the just, Hockey, yeah, hockey they, Hall of Fame. It doesn't belong to the right. NHL. Well, thank God. Yeah, that's that's why it's special. <laughs> they would have sold it off piece by Batman piece. Can't get his. They would, put a, they would have put a sponsor's logo on it by now. Yeah. I just can't wait till this year when the <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup. And and oh. Batman's so proud of himself. What For a parade. $500 million, you too can buy the Stanley Cup. What a parade that'll be. 
Oh Vegas yeah, there'd be some parade. decadence. It's going it to the Bunny dis- Ranch. Ooh. It might that might it that. might disappear with a hooker. There you go. In it the desert, there's a lot of holes in the desert, and never come back and be very happy. Yeah. We've been talking about the bullpen car this morning. What's the one player or even coach, if you wanted to, past or present, that you'd want to ride out to the bullpen with in that bullpen car? Just you and one other dude. To the bullpen or in from the bullpen? In from the bullpen, sorry. Oh, okay. Player or coach, Earl Weaver. Or Lasorda. Lasorda. <laughs> Both would be as blue as they could possibly yeah, get. Yeah, that's what I mean. It would be a, it would be a barrel of laughs. Hey, Weaver would be smoking. Go- what the bleep is going on? What are you doing in this? Uh, yeah. Lasorda. Or Earl would be really, really good. Choices. And player-wise, I'm trying to think who would be, maybe be a character. Al Raboski coming out from the bullpen. Maybe Gossage. He's a starter, but from back in the day, how about this one? Pete Vukovic. Oh, he was a badass. He looked like a nasty guy. And he was the mean guy in uh, Major League, the first baseman yep. for the Yankees. Yep. If anybody messed with the bullpen card, Pete would be there. Pete would kick their butts. Yeah. He was with that Fu Manchu. Alec Bosky actually pitched it in the first game that my dad ever took me to at Met Stadium. Royals Twins, nineteen seventy eight. The Mad Hungarian. Yep, we would stand behind the mound and 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 get get himself all lathered into up. a lather and be pounding his glove and talking. Turn around and he had that Fu Manchu or a lot of facial hair going too. He was frightening, but I I think I'd take Pete Vukovic. How about modern era? Anybody lately that you'd want to go out there? With? I go out with Perkins because we could have a beer. Yeah, Perkins. If you if if Perkins was still closing and you got a bullpen cart, there's a chance he 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 would actually he'd bring have a, a traveler. He'd bring a cooler with his glove. <laughs> he'd have a traveler. He'd put the cooler. He'd put the cooler. There wouldn't be a backseat. It'd just be the cooler. Yes. Yes. And then I would drive it out there in a cozy or a koozie. What do they call that? Koozie. Koozie. He's taking the long way around to the to the mound. Yeah. That might not be bad. Yeah, that definitely be warning track. <laughs> What's question three, John? All right, we'll finish it up here. Every all right, so we know. Today is the final day to put the franchise tag on Case Keenum or whatever player they want Three to put it o'clock. on. Three o'clock. There's a clock. Three is ticking, Rick. Three central. Yes. Okay. Every Viking player is set to be released, except you get to tag just one player to keep. Which one are you keeping? Which one is Spielman keeping? And which one is Zimmer keeping? Mm. Uh, Zimmer is keeping Xavier Rhodes because mm-hmm. he basically took him from being good and made him great. Spielman is going to keep who? Who would be Rick's pride and joy of a draft pick? That's what the Spielman choice would come down to. It, Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm telling good, you, he, he's he's going to make a jump this season. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Well, what patience, was the now? patience, folks. What was the problem now with Laquan this time? Uh, he gets too nervous. Yeah, he's, he he works too hard. He works himself oh, too hard. Rick would be Dal- Rick would be Dalvin Cook. Okay. Because Dalvin Cook yeah. was a really good draft. Pick. And then what was the other one? What you would pick? Who would yeah. you pick? Who would you keep? Do I get three choices too, right? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, well, clearly not a quarterback. And uh, <laughs> since they're not, they're not going to, uh, I would probably, I would probably go defensive side of the ball. And I would say, and this might be the Zim pick. I might be wrong, but I would say Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, very uh, special the, player. The Zimmer pick is definitely Harrison Smith. He's an extension of Zimmer. Uh, the Spielman pick is Laquan Treadwell, and my pick would be uh, <laughs> so Anthony Barr. Anthony really? Barr, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Why? What you don't the, think I should? You, you mean the, is the question who how you, valuable? Yeah. Who who would who do you deem? So do you deem Barr to, to be that valuable? That special player? Yes, I okay, do. Okay. I do. I'm sorry. I didn't know what the exact definition was. Now it's probably more prudent to sign him to a long term deal, but I would. I would tag him. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Smith, yeah. Smith, you might be right on Zim. Yeah, I would I say just, Smith would be Zimmer's. 
because he's basically the coach out yep, on the field exactly. there for him. I just keep going back to the fact that that Zimmer took Rhodes from being a really, really good, nice player mm-hmm. and made him great. He's a little bit of a head case, though, too. I don't know Zim's a little annoyed with that. Is he a, a head lot of case? fans are getting a little annoyed with it. Is yeah. Rhodes, is, is Rhodes a head case or is Rhodes a head case because he's a little bit too smart for his own good? No, in some I don't ways. think so. I mean, he's What's always. read on him? He's always. He's always doing some dumb stuff I know out he's there. Hurt. I know he's no. Hurt I don't mean that. I don't mean he's that. I'm talking. The, the perfect example was when 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 Zendejo got laid out against yeah, the Saints. He went nuts, and then he went nuts, and then the next play they went right after him, and yeah. he got burned for a touchdown. He still commits bad penalties at bad times. I'm not saying he's not a good corner. He's a fantastic cornerback. But I the the point I'm making is I'm not sure Zimmer would. Fran- deem him the most valuable player to franchise tag just because he's a little bit of a head case. That's all, my whole point. All right. Uh, if you thought things were bad for golf or football, guess what? It's spring and they just got worse. We'll explain. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motion's Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile on Saturday, March 24th. Bring your lumberjack best to this Minnesota-themed event that features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, and activities for all ages, plus hot dish and beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is now open and all runners will receive a Storm Creek or Storm Creek long sleeve quarter zip technical pullover. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events in this portion of Mackie and Judd brought to you by Dennis Kirk. Phil back at tomorrow. Brian Murphy, Pioneer Press in for him today. And Brian, our our friend Paul tweets in, if you were to take a ride in on a bullpen cart with a pitcher, how about Mark the Bird Fidrich, which is right up your alley being a Detroit guy. Yeah, I think he was tweeting that specifically at me. Yeah, in about 1976, that would have been a phenomenal experience with his curly hair and his 19 wins. And maybe maybe we could sit there and talk at the ball together. Um, or I would the other guy I would pick would have been Jack Morris in 1984. Okay. Uh, I, would, I would take the right in. Of course, he was a surly guy back then. I don't think it would have been a pleasant experience. Where does the birds' um, ascension and quick flame up because of our problems rank on on your childhood list of uh, sports disappointments? I was too young to really kind of get the whole lost opportunity, uh, what could have been an angle. And I, I, you know, he, I was only five or six when he had his phenomenal season, so it was kind of like a big, kind of cool thing. And the Tigers were mediocre, so it wasn't like he took them to the to the, the playoffs of the World Series. But um, it was only when I got older and he was coming back like in 1980 and 81 that it kind of became sad that it, it was clearly he was never the same. And, and, and you know, the sad part to me is, too, is just the way he died. I mean, it was just such a random accident on his farm mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. He had his shirt caught up in the gears of a tractor he was trying to fix, and he ended up suffocating. I mean, he was oh. only about 50-something, so it was just a sad... Just that, just, was that 10, 15 years ago now? I don't even know if it was. That. It was within the last 10 years. Okay. I think, I want to say 30 for 30, or somebody did a documentary on him. And it was very interesting because he, he didn't have kids until he was a lot old, later in life. And, and his daughter was featured in, in this documentary. And she, you know, she was only like 20 something years old. And she had no concept of her dad as a major league pitcher and social phenomenon. Yep. And she only learned that as she was growing up. And she always thought it was such a weird relationship that. This is just my dad who works on a farm in, in Massachusetts as a normal middle class guy. And this guy in 1976 was shaking hands with the president and was on every cover of every magazine in the country. I want to say I saw one of his starts in the comeback tour, which obviously was not successful at Met Stadium. Did he come back with Detroit? Did he you did, say I 80-ish? think. He came back like every year or two, he would come back with the Tigers. I thought he signed with the Red Sox at one point. Oh, it might too. have been he started for the Red Sox then. That, that might be it. But I seem to recall he got hammered. 
Yeah, he was never. But the people same. were still going because they they all thought, oh, it's the bird. He's going to talk to the ball. Yeah, and, it's be- and it was a show. But he had nothing left. You know what? What happened was it was spring training, nineteen seventy seven. He hopped a fence for whatever reason at Lakeland to go get a stray ball or something like that, and he he tore up his knee. And what happened was, I don't know if he didn't get the right surgery at the time or should have had surgery, but he did, he changed his delivery, and then he screwed up his arm. Okay. No, so it was a cascade of events that just, and this is late 70s where you didn't have the modern medicine either. They didn't go in and either. just fix your knee quite as Or if they easily. did, it, it was still sore, and it was his landing knee, so it, was, it, it oh, okay. affected his mechanics, and it just, and then he screwed up his arm, and he was just, he was never the same. He was a shell of himself. It's only spring practice. So what could possibly go wrong? And I think it's not even starting until today, if I'm not mistaken. But that doesn't allow, but that doesn't mean that something hasn't gone wrong on the University of Minnesota campus when it comes to Gopher football. Um, This is being reported in several places I saw. Gopher Hole tweet about this. Uh, Your uh, colleague Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press, I'm going to read straight from his story. Gopher running back Shannon Brooks will miss the 2018 season. I shouldn't laugh. Will miss the 2018 season due to a lower leg injury he suffered in one of the last winter workouts before the start of spring practices on Tuesday. Head coach P.J. Fleck announced Brooks, a true senior, will be redshirted this fall, expected back for the 2019 season, according to P.J., Last year, uh, Shannon played in six games and missed six due to concussions and undisclosed lower body injuries. More knee problems, undoubtedly. Rushing 79 times for 369 yards to 27th on the program's all-time rushing list with 1,728 career yards. Also in 2017, Brooks rushed for five touchdowns, five receptions for 59 yards, and returned 18 kicks for 347 yards. Well, the 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 Smith Rod or the Rodney Smith Shannon Brooks duo is now down to just Rodney Smith and a cast of tryouts. Apparently, do you know how difficult it is to maintain an interest in this program? This uh, golf or football program. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not much interested in it at all. So maintaining one is is I mean, moot. No, but I really want to. I really want to. Well, everybody wants I, to. It's a Big Ten school. I'm so envious of our friend Chip Scoggins, who grew up in Tennessee. And is a Vols and watches Vols games with his Peyton Manning jersey on. And, and his loves, boys. Yeah, and his kids. And he tells them about college football. And and I'm envious when I see the enthusiasm that Chip has for that sport. Because I say to myself, this is great. This looks like so much fun. And year, It's too bad we don't have a team here. <laughs> and year after, yes. And year, year after, after year. Year after year, stadium after stadium. <laughs> it never changes. And I don't even, I listen. This isn't going to kill them, though. I, I mean, know, I know that, but my, but it's it's the vibe. It's just an, yeah, exactly. It's the vibe. Yeah, this is not this is not going to derail them, and they still might be good eventually. Who knows? My point being, though, I don't expect this to be Tennessee. I never expect this to be the SEC. But just a glimpse behind the curtain of what it might be like to be really good in college. How about football? the Big Ten upper echelon? Just get into the what do they used to call it in the old days? The first division. Yeah, don't be in the second division yes. anymore. Does that mean below five hundred? I don't know. What I that think so. And means. well, plus you're plus now you've got the two uh, two divisions. So you've got Big Ten West, which is Wisconsin. But if you look at the Gophers' division, if you get halfway decent, you could be really good. You could be pretty good. You could make a. You could potentially, and I say this with a bit of trepidation, you could potentially make a, a run to get into the Big Ten title game. But you could certainly be competitive. And I just want five years of. Something where it's not a gong show. You want an era. Yes. Yeah, I do small one. 
Is that too much to ask? Just a small one. You're not asking for a dynasty. You're no. asking for an era. That's really well put. Because Purdue had a few moments, right, with Breeze. Northwestern. Northwestern had went a few to the moments. Rose Bowl. Yes, Gary Barnett went to the Rose Bowl. Yes, I want an. I yes, I just want. You want an anomaly, is what you want. I want a glimpse of what it's like. Here, here's where the the whole University of Minnesota program really, really makes me sad. Go for basketball this year. I went to the Miami game. In November. I think they were 7-0 and at that point. They're coming off a season in which they shocked a lot of people, made a run to the NCAA tournament. Now they lost their first game in a 5-12 seed. But you know what? This looked like a really good team. And we went to the barn. The wife and I went to the barn. And the one sport she likes is college basketball. And we're watching that game, and the place is packed. And you say to yourself, okay, this is back. It might not be back for a long time, but it's back for the season, right? Everything falls apart. Go for football. I don't even know what it's like. Has there been a signature home game yet? I think I think of the Michigan loss in terms of pure entertainment two years ago. But TCF Bank has there been a signature game at TCF Bank Stadium? Yes, um, I would make a case that the signature game, and this is going to sound really sad, is not a conference game. Remember a couple years ago when Kill had been here, they opened against. who was it? TCU. TCU. Thank you. Yeah. TCU, number two in the country. Yeah. The TCU was two in in the country. It was a night game. It was sold out, mm-hmm. as I National recall. National television. It was a hell of a game. They lost, but it was a hell of a game. That And I watched that game, and I said, okay, this is at least a glimpse of what it is. So a signature game in seven, eight years of that stadium is still a loss. And it was played in September. Okay. That's really sad. I mean, you're grasping. You're grasping. Oh, it's huge. Oh, I would. I'm fully guilty of grasping. But has there been a signature to to your question? Since they moved into the new stadium, has there been a signature Big Ten game? No losses to Wisconsin. Those are not signature. I'm trying. I'm trying. They to had think. Michigan on the brink. Halloween night. That was probably yeah, the one. The worst clock management yeah, of all yeah, time. Exactly. The coaching staff. The poor coaching staff melting down. I was at that game. I was, was at the, in the press box. No. I was in, in the, the stand. St- what was, was the, the vibe stands. like? The vibe was, oh my God, they're going to do it. Oh my God, don't mess this up. Oh my God, I don't think they can. Oh wait, Call they time just out. did. <laughs> they just did. The, the most incredible thing about that game was, Brian, the, the, that last play, when you're watching Leidner and you're and everyone in the stands is screaming, what are you doing? What, why is this taking so much? You're watching the clock tick down and you can see Leidner and his frustration and you're saying this isn't really happening. It became like a dream because you are watching, you are you are actively watching this fall apart for no reason. And Clay's on the sidelines, they had no idea. That that was but no, I would say the TCU game, I, I think that the TCU game and the vibe that night is the signature. It's a non conference game. I just want you're right. I don't want a dynasty. I'm not even coming close to asking for a dynasty. An era. A, cu- a couple of years. A magic season. Yes, a moment. If North, listen. If Northwestern can get that, can't anybody? That Northwestern program was a dumpster fire for how long? And I'm not saying the Gophers haven't been at times. They certainly have been too. But how long had that Northwestern program been an absolute dumpster fire? And I believe in '95, it still is again. Yeah, they, they they fired it up. Well, Fitzgerald stabilized it. They're they're not an absolute clown show. Okay, but but that being said, yeah, but they went out to the Rose Bowl '95. Yes, you're right. I'm looking for. 
two years. How about two? How about two years so we can understand what college football being competitive, being good, is like? I don't think it's that much to ask. You're being pretty greedy. Yeah, probably true. Let's come back and wrap things. Final segment: Mackie and Judd, uh, Brian Murphy uh, sitting in for Phil today. Phil back tomorrow. Jonathan Harrison uh, done a great job producing for us last two days. Thanks, sir. With uh, Dave Harrigan out, David uh, back tomorrow. You've done uh, fantastic work. I don't care what caller says. You've done a great job. Hey, I'll see you Sunday too. I'm going to be in see- for Corzo yeah, on we'll see Sunday Sports. Oh, very nice. Okay. Uh, so, Brian, where does your uh, Vikings cousins fatigue rank right now? I'm exhausted. Are you no. exhausted by I, it's it? It's not Are even you... just that. I'm just exhausted by the NFL in general that we're just, we're barely four weeks out from the Super Bowl. And granted, it was in this market, so it was a little heavy anyway, just because, and the Vikings went all the way to the title game. So it's been nonstop coverage and, you know, sucking the oxygen out of the room since August. That's what they like to do. But it's the NFL, and I just, I, I hate the combine. I don't like the draft, but at least the draft is intriguing in the sense that these, that's new blood. Mm-hmm. New kids, new people. There's trades. There's intrigue. This is just guys hanging on meat hooks and auctioneers with a microphone. That's all this is. Well, and it's also it's also the all combine. Specu- I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and it's also all speculation, right? Because everybody's there getting drunk. Player personnel, executives, general managers, no tampering, media. No I want you. To everybody's understand. talking and BSing, and no, everybody's lying. No, one, everybody's lying. But no one's tampering. Of course not. You oh, ever been to Moe's? You ever you've been to the Combine, right? Moe's and St. Like, Elmo's. I covered it like five times. Yeah, right. That's where everybody. Where did uh, Ben Dogra and uh, Brzezinski get into it? Wasn't it at Moe's? It might have been. I wasn't covering it by that point. That was that was within the past three years. Yeah. Or so, uh, but yeah, I've been. It's uh, a drunk fest. It's the drunkest my, NFL event that there is. I like how Jerry's bus. Jerry would drive the bus. I shouldn't say Jerry. Jerry's people would drive the bus from Dallas, and so you'd see the Cowboys bus. All over in Indianapolis, downtown, it'd be parked outside of St. Elmo's. It'd be parked outside of the Combine. And let me guess, Phillies, little Phillies running all over the place, right? Oh, yeah. And and then there was the problem of the time that, if I'm correct on this, Dean Blandino, who was then director of officiating for the league. Got on the bus. Yes. I remember that. I think that might be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, a little bit. Taken hey, into Jerry's liquor. Hey, D- hey, Dean, you wanna you wanna grab a drink and we can talk about officiating and how it's gone against the Dallas Cowboys a little bit far far too often. And if you want to keep talking, I got this nice little blonde over here from uh, Abilene. The NFL though is expert at never having dead periods. It now. never ends. It, it absolutely even, never ends. It is. It is. And and as much as we can complain and whine about it. It is brilliant. There's demand for it. Yes. They've conditioned people to, to to believe that the combine matters. Baseball just went through an offseason where everybody basically lost interest because guys sat out there forever. We've been talking about Kirk Cousins for since the day the season ended, basically. Yes. And then once he signs, we'll be talking about how he'll impact that team. And then it'll be time for draft, as you just said, and minicamps. Well, here's where I thought it jumped the shark, and I always figured it this way, was when the schedule release has now become a leak event. It has now become a way to break stories. I'm hearing the Vikings will play Thursday night, November 12th at home against the Colts. Like, we know who they're playing. You know what their schedule is going to be. The only thing you don't know are the dates and the times and the networks. And that has now become a competitive journalistic practice to break news off the schedule was, what, 10 years ago? Used to cut it out of the paper, tape it to the fridge, and look at it when you... Yes, it's ridiculous. It's now a primetime event. It is is an event. 
It's a primetime event. And people are busting, the, uh, stepping over and their you know mothers what? to get scoops. And you know what? People it's want, disgusting. People want to know because they think the Vikings are going to open up on, a thir- on the first Thursday night against the Eagles, and, and people care about that. And do you need to know that on May 3rd? Or better yet, when the schedule's released May 3rd, do you need to know it on May 2nd? Um, do I care that much? Probably not. You shouldn't. Do people care? Get a life. Absolutely. Go out and enjoy it. We're done. Garage Logic up next. Thanks, Brian.